Hey, my name is Anthony Christopher, and I've had the pleasure of serving as the Executive Director for New Beginning Children's Homes um, since our founding in 2013. Very thankful that you all have allowed us to be here tonight um, to hear the mission and vision that God has laid before us and the path that we have been on the last several years to help uh, bring new beginnings um, to your wonderful community tonight. New Beginning Children's Homes started in 2013. We started basically as a continuation of a family life journey of our founder, Ken and Shelley Ferguson. Ken and Shelley Ferguson have two biological children of their own. And for lack of better words, as these children began to get older, Shelley had baby fever. She was ready for an infant, and Ken said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? After they began to talk about it a little more, they decided that the best thing for their family would be to stop pray about it, and discern what it was that God was calling them to do. Through a period of about six to nine months, they decided that the best way for them to be able to give back would be to open their home as a foster home with the intention of adopting a toddler-aged baby girl. For anyone that has worked through DCFS or in the foster care system, you'll know that this takes an immense amount of time and energy um, to be able to license your home. Typically, it takes about six to nine months um, just to receive that beautiful license to open your home. About nine months down the road, the Ferguson's home was open and approved. They received a call on a Friday, and they said, Ken, congratulations, your home has been open. And he said, awesome, what's next? And they said, we'll go ahead and give you a call um, as soon as we have a placement. That was a Friday. That following Monday, Ken received a call um, while he was at work. He was working for Walmart Home Office in Bentonville. And she said, Ken, congratulations, we have a placement for you. And he said, great, what's her name? And they said, well, there's four of them. It's like, four? What do you mean there's four? I'm only looking for one. And they said, Ken, no pressure. If you can't take all four of these children tonight, they're going to be separated through the foster care system. So, doing what uh, any smart husband would do, he picked up the phone and he called his wife. He said, Shelly, what do I do? And she said, Ken, you know my heart. And you know what God has called us to do. In short, that night, the Ferguson family went from a family of four to a family of eight. And within six months, they adopted those four children into their home, which led um, really to the mission and vision of what it is that we do today at New Beginnings. Let me start by saying that not one of those four children was a toddler-aged girl. And these children came with far more uh, needs than they probably would have ever expected. And so New Beginnings was birthed as a continuation of this family life journey to help provide a loving faith-based home where these children would have the opportunity to rewrite their future. Through a whole series of events, uh, Ken and I met in 2013. Um, I was working full-time for a nonprofit out of Northwest Arkansas and was working late one evening and my boss came into my office and he, he dropped an article on my desk and he said, Anthony, are you familiar with this New Beginning Children's Homes? I said, New Beginnings? I said, no, I'm not familiar he said, great, I need you to research them. We have some competition coming down the road. I said, competition? 
Since when is it competition that we're serving children? I'll tell you, I set the article aside. And later that evening when I got home, I began to research New Beginnings. Come to find out it was the first article that had ever come out about the organization featuring the family's story. And I couldn't tell you at that point what came over me, but I felt so led to reach out to the organization on their website and volunteer my time. Let me start by saying that I didn't have time to give. I was working about 70 hours a week, um, working for the second largest nonprofit in, in my area, and trying to find a way to make my own job run, nonetheless help a family in their, in their mission. So about three weeks later, Ken came and met with me in my office. What was supposed to be a 45-minute introduction turned into about a five-and-a-half-hour meeting. And through a whole other series of events, six months later, I walked away to help start the organization. So here we are today. We're four years later. And people may ask, what is it that we do? So in short, long-term family-style housing, where the children that come to New Beginnings can experience their last stop as they navigate through foster care. One of the things that you guys are going to hear me talk about a lot is the governor's report that happened in 2015. Is anybody familiar with the report? Okay, it's kind of a sleeper, so I would hope that you didn't know about it. Um, But really and truly, in 2015, um, Governor Hutchinson requested that a study be done in um, the state of Arkansas, and it was the first time in Arkansas state history that they ever attempted to put numbers to children in foster care. For years and years, it's always been kind of the white elephant, Um, Everybody knew that foster care was a problem, but what happens when we put numbers to it? First and foremost, we're made aware that there's a problem. And we know as Christians, when when we're aware that there's a problem, what happens? We have a responsibility to do something about it. So the study came back, and they sent it out to all of the nonprofits. And what the study showed was that there was just under 6,000 children in foster care. And of that, 0.66 beds were available across the state in any given night. So if you can imagine on any given night for every child that needs a bed, there was just over half of a bed for a child that needs one. So you may be asking yourself, well, what happens then? Well, I want to walk you through the process of foster care. How many of y'all have ever dealt with a situation where a child has been taken into foster care that you're aware of? Or maybe you've worked in a situation where you've had to make a call to a child abuse hotline. How many of you guys have ever seen any of those situations or been a part of that? Okay, good amount of you. So let's say you're working for a school. Little Johnny comes in. Johnny's in your classroom and you notice something's not right. Maybe he's got marks on his neck. He's got bruises around his body. So you pick up the phone and you call the child abuse hotline and the hotline accepts your call. Well, Ms. Nay sitting up here, she's the worker, okay? In this example, she's the worker for the state. They call her and they say, Ms. Nay, this case has been accepted in Mansfield and you've got to go get little Johnny today. Well, it's 12.30 when she gets that call. Nay picks up Johnny and and Johnny's siblings if, if he comes as part of a sibling group. And they has till 4.30 that afternoon to find placement for Johnny and his siblings. 
May begins to call around organizations like New Beginnings, calling private foster homes, calling children's shelters, trying to find a placement for these children. And as we talked about in the Ferguson family situation, if these children are not able to be placed together, they're going to be separated most likely throughout the state in different shelters. And I'll tell you the irony of all of this. So another reason or another, another way that we differ as an organization is, as I talked about earlier, in that we plan to be the last stop for these children as they're navigating through foster care. In Governor Hutchinson's study in 2015, it showed that children experience nine or more placements in any given year. Do you know that historically, children are moved every 45 to 90 days? So I know I'm jumping around here a lot, but I want you all to stay with me, okay? I told you it gets a little crazy. Not only me pacing might make you nauseous, but jumping around might do some of that as well. But hang tight, it all makes sense. So jump back to 2013, we started to license the organization. We started looking at a way to help make this, this uh, dream a reality to be able to help these children. Started the licensing process, working through the state licensing board, and the state laughed. I said, what do you mean family-style placement? We don't place children into families. We place children into shelters. I said, okay. <laughs> we want to be a family. So they licensed our organization through a whole series of events. We were blessed with 10 and a half acres of land in Centerton, just outside of Bentonville. A plot of land and a couple of chicken barns, we knew one day we'd be able to house children. So we got our license in September of 2013 and began operation. We were blessed with the gift of $75,000, which helped to build our first home. Beautiful uh, six-bedroom, three-bathroom homes, 2,520 square feet, with the intention of housing nine children each. In each of these homes on this land, our goal was to have six homes, ultimately providing 45 children with a place to sleep on any given night. So the state came to us and they said, okay, well, you're eligible to apply for a contract. We said, okay, contract. What does the contract look like? Well, we're going to license you as either short-term or long-term beds. You can imagine it's like checks Mix, right? Take a bag of Chex Mix, you shake it up. Sometimes you get the really good black or brown pieces, right? Super salty. On occasion, you get that breadstick, and you're like, I wish I could have put that back. When you get these contracts, they license you for short-term or long-term based on the luck of the draw. If your beds are classified as a short-term, your children has a net, or your child has an expiration time of 45 days. If a child just so happens to get lucky enough to fall into a long-term slot, He'll be removed after 90 days. Oh, and next thing, we can't celebrate faith. We said, what? As a family, the faith is the foundation of who we are. And if we're going to be a family, that family has got to go beyond 45 to 90 days. So thank you, federal government. Thank you, state of Arkansas, but we're not interested in your money. 
Let me tell you, that was the largest check I think we've ever walked away from. We knew on that day that God was going to bless what we were doing as long as we continue to remain faithful to the calling that he had placed before us. So when a child comes to New Beginnings today, I'll tell you that we just opened our fifth home and are getting ready to break ground on our sixth, which completes the capital campaign. And 100% of that land, the homes, the vans that our parents drive, are 100% debt-free. 100% of those funds were made available to us by the support of churches, businesses, and individuals like yourselves. Going back to the governor's report in 2015, they showed that the highest concentration of foster care children in the state was Sebastian County, Arkansas. Sebastian County, Arkansas has over two times more the amount of children in foster care in Sebastian County alone than the largest county in the state, which is Pulaski County, Little Rock. Do you know that our county or our our Benton County location just in Centerton, that 98% of all of our beds, all of our children that sleep there every night come from your community? All of them come from the Fort Smith, Sebastian County area traveling at least an hour and a half to be able to come to us hoping to find their forever home. So at New Beginnings, when a child comes to us, I've talked a lot about being our last stop as they're navigating through foster care. Whatever that means, whatever that final outcome looks like for them, whether that is reunification with the family unit, whether that's aging out of foster care, or whether that's finding adoption through a loving family. Our goal is to be the last bed that they wake up to each day and to be the last time that they have to pack their suitcase as they're gearing up for another placement. And finally, where we differ than most is that 100% priority of all of our placements are given to sibling groups. So a large part of what we do at New Beginnings is reunifying children that have been separated through the foster care system. I'll tell you to date, our largest uh, sibling group that's been reunified is a sibling group of 10. When we received them, they were in nine placements across the state, and baby number 10 came to us at one day old. One of the most powerful things is to see these children reunify. Going back again to the governor's report, we look at a caseworker caseload, okay? How many of you guys have ever worked with a DHS caseworker? So the state of Arkansas is mandated by the federal government, as we know, that that passes down funds to ensure that the state can operate. With that come several rules for the state as well. Do you know that the feds mandate that an Arkansas state Division of Children and Family uh, Services caseworker should have no more than 24 children on their caseload at any given day? Can anybody guess how many a caseworker has on their caseload on any given day? What do y'all think? On any given night when this study was done, they found that a caseworker was carrying at least 60 children on their caseload on any given day. So, little Johnny finds placement at New Beginnings, 
And on average, we have 14 children coming into care every week in the state. And remember, only seven of them, based on the statistics, are going to have a bed. So who do you think the priority is? Little Johnny at New Beginnings? Or the other children sleeping in the state office? So fast forward from 2013, we open our first home. We get our second home open. We're blessed to be able to receive funds to build and open our third home. Then our fourth last summer. I get a call from the assistant director of the Division of Children and Family Services, and she said, Anthony, I'd like to come and meet with you. It's never good when Little Rock calls and says they want to meet with us. So I said, okay. (laughs) Curious what we're going to talk about. So she came up, and we met, cleared our schedule, and we sat down, and she said, Anthony, I'm sure that you know we have a lot of pressure that's coming down from the governor since this report came out in 2015. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, Do you know that when we pulled statistics, New Beginnings had the highest reunification rate of siblings in the state of Arkansas? And I said, what, what? She said, did you also know that New Beginnings has the least highest discharge rate of all children in the state of Arkansas when they come to your placement? And she said, Anthony, we don't know how you're doing it, but you're doing it. And she said, we want New Beginnings to be the premier program for foster care children in the state. Let me tell you, in 2013, they laughed at us. They said that a family unit would never exist. They laughed when we walked away from several million dollars that would require us to compromise the ability to share faith with these children. And they didn't support us when we told them that we wanted them to stay longer than 45 or 90 days. And a short two and a half years later, they called us the gold standard in the state of Arkansas. Folks, I don't know what you know about miracles, but for me, that's a miracle. And we were never an organization that was slated to succeed. And so when we begin to have the conversation with the state, they said, we want to help implement this program throughout the state. We want to take children out of shelters, and we want to place children in families. Pretty bold statement for a state worker to make, nonetheless, central office in Little Rock, especially having that conversation with a faith-based organization. So, as we begin to grow our organization, we have our our family-style homes that we've spoke about. We started to see a greater need with our children educationally, right? They come in. We know that they're having nine or more placements in any given year. It affects a whole multitude of things, not even to mention educationally. So, we find that these children are going to school and are lucky to have ever even been in a classroom. I'll tell you, recently we had a 13-year-old that came to us, and she can't read. She's never been to school. And so I got real tired of going down to the school district every month and arguing for our children's rights. 
So based on research, one of the things that children show or research show us is that early childhood education becomes a platform for children to be able to succeed. And we've started to see that our children going into pre-K and kindergarten were struggling the most. And I'll tell you, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for us was the day that we had a little girl with us who was four years old and in pre-K. And she went to that pre-K classroom and they sat a, uh, a bucket of crayons in front of her and a coloring page and they said, color. And she began to cry because she didn't know what she was supposed to do. So we said, okay. All right, God, we're going to take another leap of faith here. So a year and a half ago, we opened the New Beginning Learning Academy. The New Beginning Learning Academy serves children six weeks all the way through pre-K, focusing on early childhood education, quality programming, low teacher-to-child ratio, so that we can meet these children where they are and bring them where they need to be. So we opened this um, on our site in Centerton with the intention of serving our children there. I'll tell you today, our New Beginning Learning Academy is Head Start funded. Um, We just received accreditation um, early this year. And um, because of high demand, we've opened up to the community so that we can help to provide free quality education to other families in the community that want their children to succeed as well. We're getting ready to undergo a renovation on that site um, to increase our occupancy of children from 40 to 70 later this fall. So fast forward to my conversation with the Arkansas State Director, Assistant Director, And we started to talk about this idea of pulling children out of shelters and putting them into family-style homes. And she said, Anthony, we would love to be able to do this, but we don't have enough families or we don't have enough individuals that would be interested to provide housing for these children. I said, okay. What if we found funding? What if we found an opportunity to be able to make this happen for families in need, families that want to be able to provide a safe, loving home to ensure that these children receive everything that they deserve. So I get a call in December of last year. And she said, Anthony, do you remember that conversation we had last summer? And I said, yeah. And she said, great. We've come up with some funding that we're going to award to you all in June. And we want you to create a program to be able to help support families in the community that have a heart to serve. And so uh, we quickly began to develop our New Beginning Child Placement Program. Just went live on the 1st of July this year. And so do you know for the first time in Arkansas State history, we were one of three organizations that we're given a special licensure to be able to recruit, license, and open private foster homes in the state of Arkansas. And what I also didn't mention is those other two organizations that received that special licensure are also faith-based. So I love the irony in all of this, right? The state is forced to work with our, our fellow faith-based organizations. So basically what this means, let's, let's put this into perspective. School official makes a call 
a child is suspected of abuse within their home and the hotline call is accepted. Miss Nay picks up that child and their siblings and she's looking for placement for these children. Let's say Philip over here decides to open his home as a foster home. They're providing foster care. Him and Rose are so excited, they just got a sibling group of two. All right? Well, Miss Nay, she has at least 60 children on her caseload, right? She's busy. She's probably a little stressed out. Thankfully, she talks to Miss Rose and she said, come on, bring those two kids over. Drops those two children off over there. And Miss Nay then focuses on finding placement for the other kids in need. Well, fast forward two weeks, and Miss Rhodes decides that she needs something. Let's say one of the children has a need that she can't meet and she needs some support from the state. She picks up the phone and she's trying to call Miss Nay. Nay's not answering. Nay's busy. Nay's trying to find housing for Susie and her sibling group of five. So Rose is calling every day, and she's like, please answer my call. I really need some support. I've got these children in my home. So what happens? This steamrolls, right? The worker's overwhelmed. She's trying to find placement. Doesn't see this home over here as the greatest area of need to provide support and foster care. Miss Rose can't get her phone call answered to get the support she needs. So one day she says, you know what, I'm done. Take these children, close my home. I no longer want to be a foster home. So what happens? Their home closes on the books. Miss Nay shows up, picks up those two children, and then they're placed into another shelter until their next placement is identified. I say this example, and it may sound extreme, but believe it or not, it's, it's very typical in a day-to-day realm for private foster care. I've always heard since I was a child that the squeaky wheel gets the most attention, right? Well, at New Beginnings, we're a pretty loud squeaky wheel because we have 54 of those kids. The great thing is now, as of July 1, 2017, for the first time in Arkansas state history, let's say Philip and Rose want to open their home as a foster home. Instead of picking up the phone and calling Miss Nay at the state, we love Miss Nay. We love what she does, but Miss Nay's busy. Sorry, Miss Nay. These folks can pick up the phone and call New Beginning Children's Homes and say, hey, I want to be a foster home. And would you know that start to finish, we can meet 100% of their needs. We would provide the required pride training required under the state of Arkansas in order to give those parents the, the tools they need to be successful and license their home. We would serve as the licensing official to be able to come in the home and ensure that the home gets licensed and certified according to the state standards. Oh, and then from there, we get to help place the children into the home. And once those children are placed, we provide 100% of the case management services for that family and child. So that Rose or Philip will never have to pick up the phone and work directly with the state for any needs that they may have. And additionally, they receive the support of a like faith-based organization to support everything they need along that process. So in addition to that, 
Going back to those statistics, remember Sebastian County, Arkansas is the largest population of foster care children in the state. In that meeting last summer, the assistant director said, Anthony, we need to find a way to get you all to come down to Sebastian County. And I thought, man, that's going to take a miracle. (laughs) Well, we began to look, and we began to pray, and I began to talk with the founder, and I said, I think we need to look at Sebastian County. And he said, man, he said, Anthony, in order for us to make this work, we have to have A through Q. Oh, actually, let's go through Z. And would you know, within 48 hours, we found a property that met every one of those needs for another site. I knew that we didn't want to be right in Fort Smith, didn't want to be kind of in the rat race. We knew we wanted to be close to Sebastian County to be able to provide 100% of the needs for these children. And we knew that we wanted to be in a community that was small enough to be able to love these children as an individual. And would you know that God brought us to Huntington, America? I kept calling it Huntington. And finally somebody said, Anthony, you're in the South. It's Huntington. And so let me tell you, I've been so thankful to have our realtor uh, down here. She's been kind of my, my Wikipedia I'll call her and ask her. I called her one day. I said, Susie, what is this hugs and biscuits? And all I see is number two. Where's number one? And so she began to help guide me to some of the different things that we need to see and learn on the way. Um, But let me tell you, the land that we were blessed with is 68 beautiful acres just off of uh, the old 71 highway. We're exactly one mile outside of the Huntington city limits, one mile before the Mansfield city limits. Well, one of the things we said was, we don't really have time to be able to build. We need to serve these kids now. No worries, God got it taken care of because this place already has eight homes on it. We said, man, infrastructure is expensive. Laying water lines is real expensive. I don't know that we're going to be able to lay all these water lines. No big deal. It's taken care of. The owner had already laid 100% of the infrastructure, not only for the eight homes, but 10 more homes if we ever wanted to build them. We said, well, we really can't afford a, a big, heavy price tag to come along with it. No worries. We're going to show you a property that's been on the market for at least a year, and the owner needs to sell, so we're going to buy it for a million dollars under asking. And so here we are today. With 68 beautiful acres of land, eight homes that were in the middle of licensing. And come soon, we're going to have the opportunity to take those three programs that I spoke with you about. Our family-style homes on site, our New Beginning Learning Academy, and our community-based child placement program serving the community. All to beautiful Huntington, America. The site on campus uh, will will fully equip within those eight homes, full-time living house parents to serve the needs of those children, in addition to eight more homes that we're going to build on site, modeling our Benton County campus. So by the completion of that project, we'll have 100 children that will be housed on that campus on any given night. We'll have a learning academy that will serve 120 children on any given day, six weeks all the way through five and the opportunity to license and open 
as many loving, faith-based homes in the community to give these children an opportunity to rewrite their future. Let me tell you, it's been, uh, it's been a journey over the last few years learning the stories of the children that have come um, down our path. And I'll tell you, one of the ones um, that really, really hits me hard is a story that we had recently of a child. We call her, we call her Sarah. Um, I did a little bit of a blog about her. If you follow our Facebook or our website, you'll read about it. Um, Sarah came to us two years ago. She was a part of a sibling group of five, and ironically enough, was the only one taken into foster care. She was um, just turning nine years old, and she had only been to school two months that year. She was taken into custody, and mom never attempted to get Sarah back. So Sarah moved on to our home uh, campus, our Branson house on site. And every week, Sarah would wait for her weekly phone call with mom. Mom would never call. So our house parents would sit there and they would hold Sarah. She cried and they would cry with her. And she would continue to say, I just want a family that loves me. I just want to be loved. So they would go to the McDonald's in Centerton for the weekly visit that the court ordered with her mom. And Sarah's mom would never show up. So they'd sit in the van with Sarah, and Sarah would cry. And she'd say, Miss Brittany, I just want a family that loves me. And they'd hold her, and they'd rock her, and she'd go to sleep. And let me tell you, we also stood next to Sarah a year later when parental rights were terminated. As her mother didn't even show up to court to lose her rights as a mother. And Sarah cried, and she said, I just want a family that loves me. Well, Sarah lived with us for two years. She grew a lot. Let me tell you, it was a roller coaster. And last January, a year ago January, I should say, we received a phone call that a great aunt out of Wisconsin had learned about Sarah being in foster care and wanted to adopt her. And she said, I'm so excited. I'm finally going to get the family I've always wanted. So we helped Sarah pack her bags helped her through the fears and the joys and the concerns that came with moving across country and went with her that day as she boarded the plane to find her forever family. Well, let me tell you, eight weeks ago, we got a call from a supervisor in Sebastian County. And she said, Anthony, I have some bad news. Sarah's come back into foster care. So what do you mean she's come back into foster care? And she said, she's awaiting the state of Wisconsin to release her. Well, let me tell you that Sarah's aunt, her great aunt, 
found out that she had stage 4 breast cancer and was only given a couple months to live. She could no longer care for Sarah and because of that wanted Sarah to go back into foster care hoping that one day she would find a family that could provide for her. And Sarah was also not notified as to why she was leaving. Her aunt did not want her to know. And so she was sitting in the state foster care worker's office and she's just crying. And they said they couldn't get her to stop crying and, they, and finally the worker said, Sarah, what is it that you want? What do you need? And she said, I just want to go back to New Beginnings because I know that they love me there. And so let me tell you, Sarah moved back in eight weeks ago to New Beginnings into the very home that loved her when she was seen as unlovable. And I say this to say that we were probably not the family she ever dreamed about. We were never the family she was born into, but we were the family that was able to give her everything she needed in order to know that she is loved and amongst all things a child of God. And so I say this to say as well, that the families that we make are far greater than a family we can wish for. And the families we make are the families that rewrite futures and the families that give the children the hope that they need to be able to succeed. And so as we venture down here into Mansfield, we need folks like you all to love Sarah where they are. To meet them where they are, to love these children that are seen as unlovable, and to be able to provide a quality, faith-based, loving, supportive home for these children to succeed. Let me tell you, if you would have told Ken Ferguson eight years ago when he wanted to adopt that toddler-age baby girl, you would have told him he was going to adopt a sibling group of four, he probably would have ran the other direction. But I'm going to tell you, you talk to the man now, and he would never change one moment of that for anything. And so with all of that being said, i got to say that I cannot tell you enough how excited we are as an organization to be a part of this wonderful community. The hugs and biscuits, the CV's booths, Mansfield School District, and the opportunity to set up housing for these children, not only on our site, but within the homes that you all provide here in the community. There's a ton of ways to get involved within the organization whether that's serving as a house parent on our campus, whether that's opening your home as a foster home, working in our learning academy with children, volunteering as a church to work with these kids. It's endless. And the one thing people always say is, well, Anthony, how can we get involved? And typically my response is, what can you bring to the table? What are your talents? What are your gifts? Let me tell you, we had a group of um, women um, in their early 80s who volunteered um, about four months ago. And they, they would knit. 
And so they taught the teenage girls to knit. And let me tell you, I almost thought it was a joke when they called me and told me they needed some more knitting supplies. Well, let me tell you, they are, they are blanket-making machines. And so I say that no gift, no talent is too small. And there's no greater opportunity than be able to serve these children, to love them where they are, and to bring them to where God has called them to be. And so I leave you with this. One of the things that um, I was sitting on a council within the state, on, um, and I was working with the liaison to the governor, and she said, Anthony, as a faith-based organization, where do we struggle, in your opinion, in foster care? And I said, the problem in foster care is that we, as a church community, stop serving the orphans and the widows. And because of that, the state had to pick up what we didn't. Well, let me tell you, this is a very beautiful time in our state right now to be able to pick up where we left off years and years and years ago. To be so countercultural to everything that this state knows or believes to be true. And to not only rewrite the expectation for quality foster care in our state, but to be able to love these children outside of a shelter in a family-based home and give them the opportunity to rewrite their future. And so with that, I am humbled, I am thankful, and I am so excited that God has showed us Huntington and Mansfield as our second home. And I look forward to working with you all. Thank you.